that we worship the name of Jesus. How many of you, real quick, as we get started, have a last name that gets butchered regularly? Raise your hand real quick, all right? Shout it out to me real quick. You have a name, first name, last name, just shout it out. It gets butchered. All right, yeah, that definitely, when you're all doing it at once, for sure. <laughs> I'll say this, uh, last name, Ermler, often gets butchered. I'll put my name down at a restaurant, put your name down for something else, and it's uh, amazing. Sometimes it will be so butchered that I won't even be able to recognize it myself, you know, uh, because my last name starts with an I, and people pronounce it with an E. Oftentimes it sounds something like Reimler or something like that, and I don't even recognize it. They'll be calling this name, and I, you know, I just, I won't even, I won't even recognize it, you know, and so sometimes they're spelling it with an E rather than an I, and, and oftentimes we find ourselves in situations where we don't even recognize our own name, and yet there is a name that we're going to look at today that truly is a name that is above every other name that exists. In fact, the name Jesus Christ can't be fully understood, fully explained by one simple title or one simple name. And so as we're going to see throughout scriptures, many names are given in order to be able to fully describe and to help us fully understand the greatness, the wonder, the majesty of this incredible name. Our theme for this morning as we study through our passage is simply this, there is power in the name of Jesus. We sung about it a moment ago and yet it's more than just a melody. It's more than just a song. It's a reality. It is truth. There is power in that name. There is more power in the name of Jesus than there is power in the name of Buddha. <laughs> there is more power in the name of Jesus than there is power in the name of Islam. But there is power in the name of Jesus. And we're going to see that played out again and again and again in this passage. So here's my question. Are you accessing the power of his name. It's one thing to know intellectually that his name holds power. It's one thing to understand on some academic level that the Bible declares his name to have potency. It's an entirely different thing to personally and experientially access the power of this name. We're currently in a series entitled, He is Worthy. <laughs> I don't know if this is going to work. We'll do our best. If it doesn't, I don't, we'll go from there. Um, I don't know. I might need some help here, guys, or we might need to get me a new one. I don't know. Let's see here. Is there another one? Okay. All right. Thanks, Hunter. A couple months ago, the staff convinced me to switch to this thing. <laughs> I said, I like things that are solid, <laughs> things that are stable. They said, no, this, this looks better. So, all right, this will work. <laughs> Do this, all right? Amen, yeah, come on. 
So here's the question. We're in a series, He is Worthy right now. He is worthy. And what are we talking about? We're talking about the name of Jesus, the name of Messiah being truly worthy, all right? And so while they're working on this, let me, let me just pause. I'll, I'll use this moment to, to, you know, have a quick announcement here. Uh, in front of your seat there, um, there is one of these yellow envelopes here. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Um, thanks, Alan. Appreciate it. There is uh, one of these envelopes. This is our Christmas offering real quick. And so if you guys wouldn't mind looking at this, next week we're going to take up a Christmas offering. And, uh, man, we haven't talked a lot about this this year, but I will say in light of everything that's happened with COVID, it, it has put us financially in some interesting positions, all right? Uh, as you can imagine, uh, you know, we, we don't have near as many folks coming to church physically, and we have a lot joining us online as we did a year ago. And because of that, sometimes out of sight, out of mind, and people not coming in uh, with giving and things like that. And, and what I'd like to encourage us to do this year is if you're financially able, I'd like you to prayerfully consider kind of getting, giving a, a year-end gift above maybe your normal tithes and offerings so that we can kind of close out this year in a strong financial position as a church. As we continue to try to minister uh, to folks here in Northwest Fresno, uh, I just would like to ask us to, to not just kind of think, oh, well, here's what I've done in the past, but to really prayerfully consider what the Lord would have you do in, in kind of maybe even a sacrificial uh, type way. Um, there has been a whole lot of costs that have gone into this year as we have tried to do our best to maintain uh, physical gatherings as we continue uh, to minister to our community. Uh, we've had to spend literally thousands and thousands of dollars kind of getting ready to help our church go online. For As many of you know, we were months and months doing interactive services. And even now, I know last week when I looked, we had over 50 households that were joining us online in kind of our video experiential way. And so I know many of you are watching right now. And so I'd like to encourage you to just really prayerfully consider how the Lord might lead you to give a gift through this local church to the Lord, kind of as a, a, a Christmas gift to Jesus, if we could call it that. And so I, I don't want to belabor this too much, but if it is something that you can possibly do, uh, it would be a huge help as we wrap up the year 2020 uh, in, in that way. And so anyways, if you have any questions, feel free to see myself or any of the other staff, but just wanted to plug that as they were bringing those in there. So let's dive into our message here today. Throughout the Bible, uh, there are many names uh, that are important to God, and names are often important. In fact, right from the very beginning, if we go to Genesis chapter number one, the Bible says that God called the light, and he gave it a name. He said day. The Bible says the darkness, he gave a name. He called it night. There was evening, and then there was morning, and he called that name the first day. God called the expanse above sky. He gave it a name. He said there was dry ground. He gave that a name, called it land. He gathered the waters together, gave it a title, gave it a name, called it the seas. And, and God saw that those things were good. In fact, the very first job that God gives to humanity is for Adam to name each and every one of the animals. Why? Because names are extremely important to God. They're not abstract. They're not random. Names are important to God. In fact, throughout scriptures, as we saw in the video a moment ago, these characters within the scriptures, their names are not just something that identifies them. Their names give us deeper understanding and deeper meaning into their character, into their essence. Moses, his name means the one who draws out. 
And we saw that as we studied through the book of Exodus. Jacob in Genesis, his name means deceiver. We see that played out in the character of his life. Uh, we go to the New Testament and we find John the Baptist. We, we see Peter's whose name was the rock. And then we come to Jesus whose name literally means Jehovah saves. So we see that names are incredibly important in scripture. But we also see names being important throughout history. I think of people like Alexander the Great. It gave us an idea of who he was or William the Conqueror. Their names gave us a deeper understanding as to who these people are. And so as we come to Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6, this is a prophetic passage that gives us a glimpse into who this coming Messiah would be. And the prophet Isaiah uses names to help us and to help the audience that would have been hearing him at that time understand the character of this coming Messiah. And that's where we find ourselves today. Isaiah chapter number 9, verse 6. Uh, for those of you who are physically able, I'd like to invite you to stand as we read from our passage this morning. As you're standing, if you're a guest with us today, we're, we're really glad you're here. Thank you so much for coming and and, and visiting with us. Um, if you want to, during the service, you can pull out your phone and go to fresnochurch.com uh, slash connect, and there'll be a little form where you can fill that out, and it'll be an opportunity for you just to give us your information, and, and we'll try to follow up and, and share with you more information about the church and even give you an opportunity to ask any questions that you might have. And so at some point, if you want to do that, fresnochurch.com uh, backslash connect. And so hopefully uh, you'll be able to utilize that, and we'll talk a little bit more about that in a moment. Let's read from our passage, Isaiah chapter number 9, verse 6. The Bible says, For unto us a child is born. The prophet Isaiah is prophesying about this coming Messiah who would come in the form of a baby. He goes on to say, unto us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulders. Notice this. And his name shall be called. Now rather than just giving him one name or one title, he now begins to describe this coming Messiah. And he gives him these titles, Wonderful Counselor. The mighty God, this, this one who would come to be Messiah, this one who would come to be the Savior, not just a prophet, not just a teacher, not just a good man, but a mighty God, but also an everlasting Father and the Prince of Peace. This morning I'd like to speak on this subject, His name is worthy. His name is worthy is worthy. Let's have a word of prayer and we'll dive into our study. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for giving us a name that is above every name. A name that holds power and possesses power. A name that can be accessed to see miracles happen and lives changed. And I pray that we would be a people who access the power of that name. That we would be a people who believe in the power of that name. That we would be a people who have faith in the power of your name. And recognize that your name holds power and strength and grace. I pray that you would use your word to encourage our hearts, to challenge us, and Lord, to get a bigger, grander view of who you are, who your character is, and what all that your name represents. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen, and you may be seated. The first title that we see chronologically in Isaiah chapter number nine is this title, Wonderful Counselor. 
Of course, counselors are those who give wisdom. Counselors give guidance. Counselors give direction, which leads us here to our first thought this morning, and that is this. His name is, I'm sorry, his wisdom is described through his name. Notice this, his wisdom is described through his name. So the first thing we see here in this particular passage is is the prophet Isaiah is trying to help us understand that this coming Messiah, the one who we now call Jesus, would be one who is a counselor, one who has wisdom, the one who is able to bestow knowledge. He's a, a counselor. His wisdom is described through his name. Back in the late 1800s, early 1900s, there was an evangelist who traveled both through North America and in Europe, and he would preach the gospel to many people. In fact, he'd get large crowds even into the thousands, and and he would preach and, and tell them about Jesus and talk about the power and glory of God, and many people would come to faith after hearing him preach. He went by the name of Gypsy Smith. He he. When he was saved, he was kind of in a a gypsy commune, and he got saved from that, and it kind of became his nickname, Gypsy Smith. In fact, he was saved as a young man under the ministry of another evangelist that maybe some of you who have grown up in church world have heard of. His name was D.L. Moody. How many of you have heard that name before? D.L. Moody, a famous evangelist from the late 1800s. And so Gypsy Smith, as a young boy, got saved, came to faith in Christ under the ministry of D.L. Moody. And for 50 years, Gypsy Smith went all across North America. He would go all across Europe and he would proclaim the name of Jesus. He he would preach the gospel. He would encourage people to place their faith and trust in Jesus. Year after year, decade after decade, he would preach with passion. In fact, people who would hear him preach were always moved by how much just passion he had, how inspiring he was, how he was able to unpack the scriptures and make it come alive and and literally thousands upon thousands of people came and placed their faith in Christ because of the ministry of Gypsy Smith. Toward the end of his life, he was preaching at a a large crusade, and after he was done preaching, someone came up to him who was a little bit older in age, and they came to Gypsy Smith, and they said, he said, "I, I heard you preach 50 years ago. He said, when you were just first in ministry, when you first started preaching, and he says, I was so moved by your passion. I was so moved by how inspiring you were as you proclaimed the scriptures and and lifted high the name of Jesus. He said, then again today, I heard you. And now five decades later, I still hear that same passion. You're still inspiring people to get a a bigger view of who Jesus is. And he he asked Gypsy, he says, how is it for 50 years you've held on to that passion and that dedication? How is it that you've been so inspiring year after year after year? And here's what Gypsy Smith said. He said, well, I guess it's because I've never lost the wonder of it all. I never lost the wonder. He said, there's something about the name of Jesus that just thrills my heart. Something about that name is just inspiring. He said, I never lost the wonder of it all. Can I remind you of this? Christ truly is wonderful. He's a wonderful counselor. In fact, the gospel of John, chapter number 16, verse 13 says this. How be it when he, notice this, 
The spirit of truth has come. It's talking about the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost. So Jesus is saying when the Holy Spirit comes, when the Holy Ghost comes, when that spirit of truth has come, notice what this Holy Spirit of, uh, will do, this, this spirit of Christ that will indwell all believers. He says here's what the spirit will do. He will guide you into all truth. Christ was a wonderful counselor. And the Holy Spirit is one that guides into all truth. He's a counselor. He provides guidance and leadership. Now, I will give you this word of warning as a believer. When you come to Christ, don't ask for his guidance if you're not willing to move your feet. A lot of people will go to Christ and say, I need your wisdom, I need your counsel, but then they don't follow suit. And so we want to be people who are humbly surrendered, not just to hear his counsel, but to, can I say it this way, heed his counsel, to obey it, to live it. Counselors are an important thing. I'll say this, I think it's a really important thing, and I don't know why, but in in the day and age in which we live, especially even in church world, there is a stigma that goes along with getting counsel. If somebody says, oh, I went to see a counselor or a Christian therapist, there's almost like this stigma to it. And can I just say to you, we should not be a people who are ashamed of getting good counsel. I can say for our staff, our church staff, the men on our staff, every single one of us this year have gone to professional counseling. It's been, a, it's been an intense year. <laughs> and sometimes people will say that and say, well, what's wrong? Everything okay? And yet sometimes if we're not careful, we see professional counseling, Christian counseling, Christian therapy as being something that you do when everything's gone wrong. And here's what I'd like to help us with for a moment. Sometimes there is a lot of preventative maintenance that can be done with good Christian counseling. And, and I just wanna, I wanna use this moment to help us understand for a moment that we, we need to get rid of the stigma around it. Here's why, because there are people, maybe even in this room, who are waiting too long to go and seek after that good counsel, and because they wait too long, their lives get wrecked because of it. This is something that needs to be done early and quickly in a preventative way. We've got to pull the stigma away from good counseling. I, I, I've gone to professional counseling for years. You say, why? Because I see it as something that is extremely healthy in the maintenance of my soul. Our other pastors, we encourage our pastors to go see professional counselors. Something we encourage. I want to encourage you with the same thing. Don't wait till it's too late to get help, okay? Now, with that being said, the best counselor you could go to, his name is Jesus. So find a counselor that's gonna give you those, that Jesus wisdom, that Jesus truth, and remind you of the power that is in the name of Jesus. So we see here, his wisdom is described through his name. What's the next title we see, the next name that is given? We see here, Mighty God. 
He's a mighty God. The, Jesus the Messiah, this one who would come to be the savior of the world as Isaiah was prophesying this name, he was going to be God in the flesh. Not just another teacher, not just another good man, but literally God in the flesh. He was divine from heaven, born miraculously of a virgin. He was God, as this passage indicates, which leads us to another thought this morning, and that is this too. Not only do we see his wisdom is described through his name, but we see, secondly, his works are described through his name. His mighty works, his powerful works, his grand works, his great works. In fact, the book of Job, chapter number 36, says this, Behold, God is mighty and despiseth not any. He is mighty in strength and in wisdom. That's our God. He's a mighty God. He is strong and he's powerful. If we took a minute to try to look at aspects of where his might was demonstrated, I could name a few. Number one, we would see his mighty work in creation. As he spoke the world into its existence. The Bible says he flung the stars into their orbits. Literally, with his very word, he created and sustained everything that is around us. We see his mighty works played out in creation. We also see his mighty works played out in, at Calvary. One of the greatest demonstrations of God's might is as he hung humbly on a cross to die for your sin and to die for my sin. To take the punishment of our evil and our wickedness and our rebellion upon himself. And while he could have called 10,000 angels down again and again to rescue and save him, by his own might he could have come down. But he didn't. Why? Because he wanted his miraculous, mighty strength to be demonstrated at Calvary. Why? Because he's a mighty God. His might was demonstrated in creation. His might was demonstrated at Calvary. Can I say thirdly, his mighty work is demonstrated through the church. As his hands and feet, we have the opportunity to be a conduit of God's strength to this community. We have the opportunity of being a conduit of his grace and his mercy to our neighbors and to our loved ones and to those around us. And his might and his power is demonstrated through the local church. That's one reason I'm so big on it. Because when believers gather together in a collective way and organize themselves locally, there is great things that God can do in and through his local church. He chooses to empower his local church in unique ways. And that's why it's so important for individual believers not to be lone ranger type Christians but to find a local community of faith that they can attach themselves to so they can experience what I will sometimes refer to as spiritual synergy. That is, the ability to be a part of something bigger than yourself. Because when a lot of individual believers come together, as they access the power of the Holy Spirit, there are things that a local church can do that no individual could do in and of themselves. And God chooses to dis display his might and power through the collective nature of a local body of believers. I like to say it this way. 
with the power of God within us, we never need to fear the power around us. Some of you, some of us, have maybe spent a lot of time watching the news this year. And maybe for a few of us, we're starting to get anxious. We're starting to allow fear to grip our hearts as we think about what the future may or may not hold. There's stress, there's anxiety, there's a burden. Why? Because we start to fear the powers that be around us. What will happen economically, what will happen politically, what's going to happen morally, what's the government going to do on churches, what's it going to do on Christians, what's it going to do for our religious liberties and our constitutional liberties, and what's going to happen here, and what's going to happen there, and all these concerns begin to worry us, and I want to say this, with the power of God within us, we never need to fear the powers of those things around us. We can be at peace, regardless of what happens politically, regardless of what happens morally, regardless of what happens constitutionally. We have the power of his name working in and through our lives. We see his wisdom is described through his name. He's a wonderful counselor. We see his works are described through his name. He's a mighty God. I want you to see the third title that's given to us in this passage. It's the title Everlasting Father. Everlasting Father. A good father is a father who's kind. A good father is a father who's strong. A good father is a father that is loving. A good father is a father that is compassionate. And I understand that not every person in this room had the example of a, a good father. But according to scripture, these are the ideals of a good and noble father. Which leads us to another thought about his name, and that is this. Not only do we see his wisdom described through his name, and not only do we see his works described through his name. Thirdly, I want you to see this. I want you to see his warm-heartedness is described through his name. He is a loving father, an everlasting father. He's never going to let you down. Why? He's everlasting. He's never going to give up on you. Why? He's everlasting. He's never going to quit on you. Why? Because he's everlasting. He's an everlasting father who is good, who is loving, who is kind, who is compassionate, who is merciful. That is your loving, everlasting father. And even if you did not have a good earthly father, you have a better father. A father who will never leave you. A father who will never forsake you. Why? Because he's everlasting in nature. His love and his compassion, his mercy and grace is all described through this name, everlasting father. I love how Romans chapter number eight describes this concept. It says this, for you have not received the spirit of bondage again unto fear. When you came to faith in Christ, he says, you have not received this spirit of bondage. But he goes on to say, but you have received the spirit of adoption. So that's the spirit that's been given to you. When you came to faith in Christ, you were given a spirit of adoption. God literally adopted you. But then he goes on to say this, whereby we cry, and I love this phrase, Abba, Father. 
And the Hebrew Abba was, was kind of what a young Jewish child would cry out when the baby would want daddy to hold him. Just like in the English, we would say daddy. In Hebrew, they would say Abba. And this is the type of relationship that the God of the heavens, the God of the universe desires to have with you. He wants to be your daddy, to hold you, to protect you, to keep you safe, everlasting, forever. And this really speaks to his warm-heartedness, his compassion. Yes, he is a mighty God, absolutely. But he's also an Abba Daddy. And this is why one title cannot fully encapsulate the greatness of who he is. Because if we simply referred to him as this mighty God, this roaring lion, we would fall short of all that he is. He's bigger and grander than just that. He is that. He's fully that. He is powerful and, and, and mighty and majestic and glorious, but he's also loving and compassionate, merciful and kind. He's a daddy. Some have asked, how can I love a God that can't, how can I love a God that I can't fully see? You know, have you ever heard somebody say that who's not a believer? I don't know that I could believe in a God who I can't fully see. And maybe there's somebody in here right now and they're like, I just don't know that I could believe in a God that I can't see. Those same people believe in wind they cannot see. Why do they believe in wind they cannot see? Because they see and experience the effects of that wind. You say, why do you believe in a God you cannot see? Because everywhere I look, I see the effects of that God that I cannot see. <laughs> everywhere. And some have said, how can I love a God that I can't fully see? And I think the better question is this. How can God love us whom he can fully see? In, in light of all of our brokenness, in light of all of our sin, our rebellion, he fully sees you. Your idiosyncrasies, weaknesses, your brokenness, every every dark corner of your soul he sees you are fully known but not just fully known by this Abba Father you are fully loved by that Abba Father that's who he is and so we see yes his wisdom is described through this name his works are described through his name his warm heartedness is described through his name but there's another another name another title that's given to us in this passage and that's the title prince of peace prince of peace the messiah came to bring peace to this world and peace in this world comes when we are first personally experiencing peace in our hearts and peace in our lives. And that's what the Messiah came to bring, which leads us to uh, another thought about his name, and that is this. His will is described through his name. His will. What's his will? His will is played out. We see it in Romans chapter number five. Therefore, being justified by faith, those who have come to faith in Christ, the Bible says we have peace with God. 
You see, here's how the progression works. Everybody's talking about peace in the world. You know, we, we want peace in the Middle East. We want peace in our world, and everybody's crying for peace. Uh, but I want to say that the progression, you don't just jump to peace in the world. It starts with peace with God. That leads to peace with ourselves, which leads to peace with one another, which then leads to peace in the world. That is how this gets played out, and yet there's so few who want to experience that peace with God. And you're never going to get to peace in the world until there is first peace with God. Christ's plan is to see all of humanity live in peace. So how does this happen? You see, when we place our problems in Jesus' hands, whatever, whatever problem you're facing today, and 2020 has given us a, a great list of problems to choose from. But you, you name the problem. When you take that problem and you place that problem in Jesus' hands, he'll then take and put his peace in your heart. You take the problem, put the problem in his hand, he takes his peace and puts that peace in your heart. But you've got to let it go. And some of us are holding on very tightly to our problems in our thinking. We let them play again and again and again and again in the consciousness of our mind. And we're saying with our lips we're letting it go, but we're not because we keep thinking about it. We keep meditating on it. And we need to let those things go so we can experience that peace. So we see his wisdom is described through his name. Wonderful counselor. His works are described through his name. He's a mighty God. His warm-heartedness is described through his name. He's, he's an everlasting father. And lastly, we see his will described through his name. He's a prince of peace. He, he wants to bring peace to the world. And so all this is encapsulated as we move to Philippians chapter number two, as we begin to think about just all that is happening with his name. And the Bible says this in Philippians two. It says, wherefore God also hath highly exalted him. Who's him? Jesus, Emmanuel, Messiah. And he's given him a name which is above every name. As we said a moment ago, the name of Jesus is above every other name that religion could throw out. His name is above every other name that politics could throw out. His name is above every other name that celebrity could throw out. His name is above every name that the financial sector could throw out. Why? His name is above every name. Notice this, that at the name of Jesus, the Bible says every knee should bow of things in heaven and things of earth and things under the earth and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That word Lord means one in control, master, the one in charge to the glory of God the Father. My friend, one day, it's not a matter of if the knee will bow, but matter, it's a matter of when. Every knee will bow. And we've looked at these names of God and each one of them has so much significance and so much meaning. But as we're kind of wrapping this up and we really focus on the fact that there is power in the name of Jesus, it's one thing to understand it. It's another thing to experience it. And how many of you would say, even whether or not you lift up your hand, you need to experience the power of his name. There are so many situations and so many circumstances 
that we've been moving through here in the year 2020, and I, I know so many of your stories, not all of them, but many of them, and 2020 has had its challenges. It's had its difficulties. And we could probably spend a whole lot of time just talking about the different challenges, the different issues, the different problems. I do want to just share in the way of a prayer request as we wrap this up, as we're really meditating on the power that is in the name of Jesus. I realize that we could go from family to family to family to family. And we could share prayer requests of areas in which we need to experience the power of that name. But one prayer request that I'd like to share with you, and a few of you may be already aware of this, uh, but one of our staff men here, our, our youth pastor who also serves, you know, and how many of you have seen some of the videos that have been made, you know, where, you know, the, the music videos and things. So Alan Taylor kind of takes charge of a lot of that, has done many of that. And a little while back, uh, he started just having some unique physical issues and one started to see some doctors and trying to figure out exactly maybe what was happening in, in regards to some of this. And, and not too long ago, it came back that uh, he has neuroendocrine cancer. And so over the last few weeks now, He's just been kind of trying to figure out what, where, what stages they're in, where they're at, doing some different tests. Uh, had some test results even come back this week. And the doctors are saying it's likely stage three uh, at this point. Uh, it's, a, it's kind of a rare cancer, and so because of that, you know, they're having a hard time trying to figure out, you know, exactly how they're going to move forward, but they've got some ideas. And so it looks like in the next probably two or three weeks, uh, he'll be going into surgery. Um, at this point right now, chemotherapy is not an option uh, for the type of cancer that he has. And so basically the surgery is kind of where they're at. And from there, they'll be able to figure out where they go from here. And I, I just wanted you as a church family, those who, of you who are watching online, uh, we share this with you to share just a prayer request because we do believe that our God is a mighty God, that, th that there is power in the name of Jesus. And that as his people come together that, we can see miracles take place. And so what we're praying for, for those who are aware and those as you're, we're asking you to join us in prayer, is that over the next couple of weeks, we'll see complete healing from that cancer. And we believe that God is the great physician, can do that and will do that. And so we're asking our church family to join us in that as we move into this season. I know many of you have experienced this firsthand with family members. And so you know what a challenge this can be. And so we're praying uh, for the Taylor family as they navigate this season. And we're just praying that God's perfect will would be done in it. But as we're wrapping up this, this, this sermon, it's one thing to have this kind of idea, you know. Ah, oh, God's powerful. It's another thing to really go to the throne room of grace and say, God, by faith, we believe there's power in your name, that you are the, one of your names is the great physician, that you can heal, you can save. And so the takeaway that I want to share with us today is simply this. I want to encourage you to claim his name. And if that means there's never been a time in your life where you've placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone to be your personal savior, and, and you've not placed your faith in his, his life, death, burial, and resurrection, for your salvation, for the renewal of your soul, then that's where you need to start to claim his name for salvation. Why? Because there's none other name written above heaven by which we can be saved. But if you're here and you're a believer, oh, that we would access the power of his name for the challenges that we face daily as believers. 
Why? Because there truly is power in that name. And one day at heaven, we'll fully be able to experience the full weight and glory of his great name. But in the meantime, may we practice with our hearts, placing our faith in that name. We're going to go to the Lord in prayer at this time. Specifically, I'd like to take a moment just to pray for our brother Alan. And just ask you to lift up your hearts as well, not just in this moment, but in the moments to come and the days and weeks to come that, that God will have his perfect will. So why don't you join me in prayer and as I'm doing that, the worship team's gonna come and lead us in a final song on the name of Jesus, shall we pray? Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you so much for the, the name of Christ that we can hold to, that can anchor our souls in time of trouble, that there are these names that give us a deeper glimpse into all that you are for us and, and and, and in us and through us. Thank you for being a, a mighty God, an everlasting Father, and a Prince of Peace in our own hearts and our own lives. I want to continue just to lift up the Taylor family, specifically Alan. Lord, we're asking, we're praying for a miracle. We're asking that you would deliver him from this cancer, that you would break the chains of this disease upon his body. Lord, we believe in the power of prayer and we believe in the power of your name and we believe that if it be your perfect will that you as the great physician can bring healing and wholeness to his physical being. Lord, I pray that our church family would rally around him and his family to be a source of encouragement, to be a blessing, to be a help in any way that we can uh, during this time. And Lord, we pray for this, can uh, this surgery that looks more than likely to be taking place before the end of the year. Lord, that you would just give the doctors skill and wisdom as they perform the surgery. That you would allow the tumors that are in his body to be removed and that there would be no other tumors that are currently not known of that would spring up. Lord, we're just praying for complete healness and wholeness, Lord, in this time. Lord, we pray this in the great and mighty name of Jesus.